As we look out over the year ahead, I trust the text that I have been providentially directed to for 2022 will be a blessing to your souls. That text is Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. We have here the words of the Lord Jesus Christ to some of his disciples at the time when he called them into the ministry. It says, And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. When I was a young child in Sunday school and in children's meetings, there was a chorus that we sang on a regular basis that I used to really enjoy. And it's simply this. I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. Fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. If you follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Now in the scripture there are two great analogies for the work of soul winning. One is farming. I'm sure you've read those references to the sowing of seed and to the reaping of a harvest. In many different places the man of God occupies the position of a husbandman or a farmer. For example, in Psalm 126, we read there, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and gives forth seed basket. Uh, The actual reference there is in the margin, seed basket. But it has to do with the sowing of the seed. Psalm 126 and verse 6. Bearing precious seed is what it is in the English, but it is in the margin bearing seed basket. The idea being of one who goes around sowing the seed from that basket. It says he shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The Lord Jesus used the terms sowing and reaping in relation to the parables in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. The parable of the wheat and the tares. He also spoke of this in John chapter 4. When he talked about the harvest. How that they would say there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. But I say unto you look on the fields for their white already to harvest. Then he talked about, he talked about those who sow. And those who reap in that harvest. Once again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The analogy is employed concerning Husbandry or farming, where Paul speaks of ministers as being those who sow and those who water the seed and how that the Lord gives the increase. So this is one great analogy that's often used for soul winning, farming. But the other great analogy that's used in relation to soul winning is fishing. And we have it here before us in this passage. God's servants are seen to be fishermen, fishers of souls. So it is in the text, Matthew 4, verse 19. 
Now, obviously, these words were originally addressed to men whose earthly occupation was fishing. They were fishermen. They went out after literal fish in the sea. But the Lord Jesus spoke to these men about a new spiritual work in which they would be engaged, and it is fishing for men. In one place, in Luke chapter 5, the Lord said to Peter, From henceforth thou shalt catch men. You're going to be a fisher of men. Now since evangelism is to be, as one has put it, the task of the whole church in the whole world for the whole age, therefore this is a word for God's people in our own day. It's a word for God's people in Walnutport. It's a word for God's people in every faithful Bible-believing church. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. There's some simple thoughts on the surface of this text that I want to leave with you by way of a motto text for 2022. First of all, notice with me the command. And that's what it is. Not an option. It's not advice. It is a command from the Lord. Follow me. And the simple thought that comes before us right away is that to be winners of souls, we must be followers of Christ. Let me ask you right away this morning, are you a follower of Christ? I'm not asking you if you're religious. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized or been subject to certain ordinances in the church. I'm not asking you if you're a good person. I'm not asking you if you are, in your own opinion or that of others, a model citizen. I'm asking you, are you a follower of Christ? Can you honestly say this morning, I am following after the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow me here in Matthew 4.19 literally means, come after me. Come after me. To follow the Lord, therefore, is to come unto him for salvation in the first instance, and then to continue to walk after him, to pursue him, to follow him. And so the command itself signifies to leave the old life. And notice this in verse 20 and again in verse 22. It says of Simon, Peter and Andrew, his brother, and they straightway, which means immediately, left their nets and followed him. And then in verse 22, speaking of James and John, it says, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Notice that word that's employed in in both verses. Left. They straightway left their nets. They immediately left the ship and their father. They were in, in in a very real sense leaving the old life. And to follow Christ certainly implies leaving behind the old life, the sinful past. This speaks to us of repentance. 
and of us turning away from the old. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a verse that's well known to many. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I remember when my dear father gave his testimony. He almost always, in the course of giving his testimony, quoted that verse. Because it was true of himself. And he believed it to be true of all who will come to Christ in reality. All things are passed away. And all things are become new. In John chapter 8 verse 12 we have one of the great I am's of Christ. And it simply says. Then spake Jesus again unto them saying I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. If you compare First John chapter 1, you'll see that those who walk in darkness is a reference to those living in their sinful state. This is a reference to how we behave in our unsaved days, walking in darkness. But you see, when you follow Christ, you leave the darkness behind and follow after the light. Someone wrote, boats and nets they left behind them, all to leave and follow thee. But isn't this a problem with so many in our day and in many other eras of history? Men are not willing, they have not been willing, to abandon the old way of living. But the testimony of the genuine believer is in that simple little song, things are different now. Something happened to me since I gave my heart to Jesus. Things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Something happened to me. When I gave my life to Him. Have you come to Christ? And are you therefore a follower of His? The command is, follow me. It implies, it suggests, it signifies to leave the old life. But it also then suggests to live the new life. Things were going to be very much different now for Simon, Peter and Andrew and for James and John. Things would never be the same in their lives after that encounter with Christ. There was a total change in every aspect of their lives. Think of this. Now they would be constantly in the company of Christ. They would be with him in the place of prayer. They would be with him as he did works of righteousness and healing those that were sick in preaching the gospel. They would be men now who, who would be subject to his will, doing his bidding. They would certainly enjoy his company from that day forth. Communion, fellowship, walking with him. That's the experience of those who are followers of Christ. 
Tell me today, are you in communion and fellowship with the Savior? Are you walking with Him? One of the old hymns says, And He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me that I am His own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. And the idea behind that in the hymn writer's mind is that I'm having unique fellowship with Christ, just the Lord and me. Do you enjoy that? Do you know anything of the company, the companionship of Christ? Not only would these men now be living a new life in that they would enjoy his company, but they would obey his commands. We've already looked at this and we are looking at this. It is a command. Follow me. But that wasn't the only command that they were going to fulfill. This was the beginning of a life of obedience. They would follow him and they would continue to follow. And that's how it is for the believer. We must seek day by day to do his will. It's not a matter of just finding out what the will of God is for your life on a one-off basis and then from then on that's it. You have to be seeking to do the will of God day by day and live in the light of his word. This is the command, follow me. But then there's the challenge. The challenge of the text is in these words, I will make you fishers of men. Think of that title. Think of that description. Fishers of men. Now turn in your Bible with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And let us read from verse 4. And once again it is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ and his interaction with some of the disciples. Luke 5 verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came, and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And then notice the next verse, 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Their new task was to be very much like the old task, that of catching fish. This is what the people of God are charged with doing, fishing for men. And fishing is no light or easy work. Now obviously with the passing of time, the fishing industry has benefited 
from technology like every other industry. And certainly some of the older men who have been fishermen in the early days of their lives would say that some of the modern fishermen and the young men today have it much easier than they did. But nonetheless, if you talk to any fisherman even today, it is a most dangerous and it is a most arduous task to be out there on the high seas fishing. It is no light or easy work. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's certainly not for landlubbers. Thomas Boston of Ettrick in Scotland wrote a wonderful little book called The Art of Man Fishing. And really in that book he was taking the text that we have before us today and using it as the basis of his thesis. In The Art of Man Fishing, Boston spoke of a minister's authority to be a man fisher. And he also referred to his ability or his success in the work. And we think about a minister's authority to be a fisher of men. The emphasis here is on the call of God for a servant of God to that work. And while I would su- suggest to you today that it's not exclusively the task of ministers per se to win souls, yet it is chiefly their work. A minister is to be described rightly as a minister of the gospel. And ministers of the gospel are charged with doing the work of an evangelist. Second Timothy chapter 4 makes that clear. But a man who is to be a fisher of men in ministry must have a call to that ministry. It is far too easy for men to run unsent. And what we need to pray for as the people of God is that men who come forward for ministry will be men who are called of God. Men who have authority to be fishers of men. But thinking about what Boston said, he also referred to the minister's ability. And he suggested that this was particularly in view in the Lord's remarks. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men in other words I will make you successful in that work Christ must make us fishers of men that's the clear thought here that is the emphasis that we must take from this if there's to be a takeaway from this text it is this we cannot have success in the work of fishing for men Unless the Lord gives us that success. I will make you fishers of men. Especially does the Lord make them to catch sinners in the gospel net. By the power of his spirit accompanying the word that they preach. This is something that ministers need to give attendance to and indeed God's people. Pray for power as the word is preached. It's all very well to look to the Lord in the study. And it's all very well to go up to the pulpit looking to the Lord. But we must also look to the Lord as we preach. And we must look to the Lord after we preach. 
to give success to the word. Because without the power of the Spirit, nothing will happen. And we see this in Luke chapter 5 again in the portion we read a few minutes ago. Peter's great complaint to the Lord when he said, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft was this master we have toiled all the night. And if you look at that word in the original, we have toiled. They had worked ever so hard. They had labored ever so diligently. And for a lengthy period all the night. And have taken nothing. Lord, there's not one single fish in the net. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. If we think of natural fishing, part of the challenge of fishing involves the equipment. And that's certainly true when it comes to people who fish recreationally with a rod and a line and with weights and floats and all of that sort of thing. Fly fishing or fishing off the shore. You need the right kind of equipment. But particularly is this true when you go out on the trawler, when you go out in commercial fishing. It's very important to have the right equipment. And Peter and those other men were aware of the need for a functioning net. And we see this in regard to their work, as it is mentioned in the scripture. If you turn there in Matthew chapter 4 to verse 18, it says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Obviously, you have to cast the net. But then we read in verse 21, of James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father mending their nets. Sometimes the nets would be damaged. Sometimes nets would have something to happen to them that causes them to not to be as functional as they could be. And you see this also, for example, in Luke chapter 5. If you go back there, in Luke chapter 5, It says in verse 2 that the Lord saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now, why would they do that? Well, they had to wash their nets because they would gather debris and all kinds of uh, old rotten fish would attach itself to the nets. Uh, the, The net, if it was left without being washed, would stink up the ship to a large degree. They spent some time, therefore, washing their nets. But then in Luke chapter 5 and verse 6, the Bible tells us that when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. The net gave way. And obviously when that happens, you lose a lot of fish. They all get out because the net is broken. You can't do much with a broken net. What does all this tell us? It tells us that The importance of a proper functioning fishing net cannot be overstated. And as old Thomas Boston said, preachers have a net to catch souls with. It is the everlasting gospel. And it is compared to a net because it is spread out 
ready to catch all that will come into it. What a glorious thought that is. When we cast out the gospel net, we do so in a free and general fashion. Isaiah 55 verse 1, Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. If you're wondering today if the gospel is for you, I want to tell you the gospel is for you. The gospel is a message that God gives to all men. Now, all men will not be saved. But all men everywhere are commanded to repent. We must make the gospel net broad and wide and deep. Now, I'm told that in modern fishing, some nets are made to allow smaller fish to escape. There is an organization that is very unpopular among many fishermen in the United Kingdom, that I know of anyway, and it's called the EU. And uh, the European Union has done an awful lot uh, to damage the fishing industry in various parts of the United Kingdom, including Northern Ireland. One of the things that was stipulated by the EU, apparently, was the use of certain nets because they didn't want certain species of fish to be caught. And so the holes, if you like, the spaces in the net had to be of a certain size, certain length, a certain width to allow these smaller fish to escape. Basically, there were big holes in the nets. Now, you know, in gospel preaching, we can sadly employ broken nets or deficient nets. A message, for example, that is without repentance. A deficient message will not catch men. And there are many today who are using deficient equipment when it comes to preaching. There's a lot of entertainment shows masquerading as worship services. We have, I say we, as a general statement, in church life they've invented new offices in the church. One is the office of worship leader. I don't see anything of that in the scripture. There's no New Testament office in Ephesians chapter 4 called worship leader. And in any case, a lot of what is called worship is not worship. It's just the energy of the flesh. It could just as easily be a rock concert or some worldly activity. And of course, the people who attend are dressed accordingly. Listen, we need the right equipment. The pure, unadulterated gospel of Christ is that which will catch fish. Think about this too. In fishing, even in a natural sense, there's not only the equipment to be considered, but the environment to consider. The environment for fishing. Basically, it's no good fishing where there are no fish. I think that's an elementary point. You go to the fishing grounds. And of course, in our day, you have all kinds of sonar equipment and computerized things that help 
fishermen to locate where shoals of fish are, and they can go directly to where those fish are. They know where the fishing grounds are. Men and women, we need to go to the fishing grounds. And they're all around us as believers. If we only open our eyes. Some of you go into a place of work. There are folks in your office. There are folks on your shop floor. There are folks uh, that work on machines beside you. There are those that are on other desks around you or whatever the environment might be. And many of them are without Christ and without a Savior. And you're in that place of work as a missionary. Some of you are missionaries in your own home. Because there are folks in your own household that know not the Lord. It's true of your street and your neighborhood. It's true of the stores and the shops that you go in and out of. And you encounter all the time delivery men and salesmen. And you've got all kinds of opportunities that abound that you might be a fisher of men. But of course it takes effort. It takes application. It takes hard work. Often long hours. It involves disappointments. It involves failure. It also requires great patience. But there is an environment in which you and I dwell that's good for fishing. And we are to cast the net. I will make you fishers of men. There's the command. There is also the challenge. But there's the comfort And isn't it a comfort? This is not a maybe. This is one of God's I wills. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will. Oh, there's comfort here. This is a great promise to you as a Christian and to me as a minister of the gospel. And yet again, let me emphasize, only he can do this. Souls are hardly wooed and won. And therefore souls will never be saved. They'll never be converted by our efforts. Without the Lord driving the fish into the net. The text is well known to many. Jonah chapter 2 verse 9. Salvation is of the Lord. And it is. It's of the Lord. Only the Lord can save. The psalmist said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. When we read the words of the Apostle Paul concerning ministry, he said in 2 Corinthians, in the chapter 2 and the verse number 16, And who is sufficient for these things? He went on to say in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, 
but the Spirit giveth life. Tell me, friends, where is our sufficiency in man fishing? It is of God. God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. We also read, do we not, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians, in the chapter 3, from verse 5. What a good reminder. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Psalm 110 verse 4 contains those glorious words, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. And folks, those of us that are saved today, believers in Christ, this is what we need to be praying for in our churches and in our evangelism. The day of the Lord's power. Where the Lord will break forth. Where the Lord will break in. Where the Lord will open hearts. And like Lydia cause men and women to take heed to the things that are spoken. See, the great truth is, and this is the comfort of the text, we have not, as fishers of men, been sent by the Lord on a fool's errand. The Lord has given us this promise. Here is a word to act upon, and it is a word to plead upon. Surely when we come to pray, We can use these words. Lord, thou hast said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The promise must be received. It must be acted upon. He will do it. Oh, let us take these words as a motto text for this year. If we feel that we have known failure and a lack of success in this work hitherto, Let us remember that the Lord's promise still stands. And one thing I wanted to mention here in relation to these words, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, is the compliance. See, these words were directed to men. Simon, Andrew, James and John. There was a command that could be obeyed or denied or rejected. What did they do? He saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. Here's obedience. Here you have men who are complying with the Lord's command. Look at verse 22. And they, speaking of James and John, immediately, without any further ado, left the ship and their father, and followed him. Follow me, Jesus said. And right away these men said, Lord, we will follow thee. When we consider the apostolic ministry in the New Testament, one of these men was Simon Peter. How did God use him in days to come? Look at what happened at Pentecost. And on other occasions when the Lord used this man in a mighty way. Oh at Pentecost Peter became a fisher 
of men. Those who were sent as fishers of men among the apostolic band were not employed in vain. And neither shall we be working in vain if and as we follow him. As we endeavor to reach sinners, as God would enable us so to do, let us not lose heart. You know, it is easy to lose heart, isn't it? Sometimes a a father will take his son on a fishing expedition. And some little fellows, when they're sitting by the river bank with dad, after about five minutes, they're bored out of their minds. And they're thinking, Dad, why haven't we caught any fish yet? They haven't got the patience. They don't understand that it's not always a case of going down to the river or to the sea and just immediately catching a whole load of fish. Sometimes it takes a lengthy period of waiting. But the good fisherman doesn't lose heart. He continues to fish. I've known of fishermen who have gone out and fished off a pier or off a river bank and they've caught nothing that day. Did that mean that they gave up the fishing? No, of course it didn't mean that. They came back another day. And on that day they caught fish. Listen, we're not to lose heart in this work. And I've quoted Thomas Boston quite a bit here. Let me just give you some timely words of encouragement that he gave as he spoke of the spiritual fisherman's work. And I quote, Fishers may toil long, yet catch nothing, but they do not therefore lay aside their work. So may preachers preach long, and yet not catch any soul, but they are not to give up for all that. Hold on, O my soul, And give not way to these discouragements. Thou knowest not, but Christ may come and teach thee to let down the net at the right side of the ship. And thou mayest yet be a fisher of men. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers. Of men, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. Maybe there's someone listening to me today, maybe a young man, and you're considering your future, what it is that God would have you to do with your life. Would you stop and consider that the Lord might have a particular work of fishing for men? For you to do. I.e. he may call you. Into gospel ministry. Of course like many others. You might say well I'm not able for that. I could never do that. I'm sure every man. Worth his salt that you would talk to. Who now in the ministry would tell you. That that's how they felt. But listen. If Christ. Is the one who calls. How can you answer. No. So if the Lord is speaking to your heart in this way today, I could just urge you to surrender to Him and just say, where He leads me, I will follow. 
I'll go with him. With him all the way. And maybe there's one that you're listening to this message and you're not saved. You're not a follower of Christ. You're not a fisher of men because your own soul is lost. Oh, that today you might turn from your sins. That you might leave the old life behind. That you might begin to live a new life. A life that's given by Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. May the Lord give you that light. May the Lord give you that life even today.